0: Our message this morning is from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, let's pray. Lord God, heaven and Father, you have brought these people to one place. Lord God, may these words be one. May we see, Lord, that we are stronger together, unified than we are separate. In your son's name we pray, amen. So looking at John chapter 17, starting at verse 20, if you would, read these words with me on the screen. Uh, And so giving the context uh, of what is happening here, because we're always asking, what is Christ doing here? What is Jesus saying? And the context is, Jesus is saying this uh, while in the garden. And you remember, his his soul was so troubled that during this time, he was literally sweating drops of blood. And so something at his core, his heart, uh, was so troubling and this is part of that prayer that he was praying during that time that his followers, you know, as he was praying for his followers that they may be one. And so we want to take a look, at, a small look at, at what that means, what it means for us to be one. Uh, and so we're going to go just a little bit further uh, and ask uh, ourselves, okay, what does he say next? From John chapter 17, verse 22, if you would read this with me The glory that you have given me. I have given to them that they this is Jesus knowing that his time on earth was almost done and if you have ever lost anyone in your life you know that those last hours where they're still able to speak that you hold on to those words for as long as you can you understand that those are the last thoughts and those those ideas that they share with you are the ideas that will, will, will encompass their entire lives. And so Jesus is here knowing full well that He has uh, less than 24 hours, and his concern is for whom? For himself? No. He's even concerned about you and me. Did you hear him praying that we, that we receive His word? Through the passing on of the word from generation to generation, from people to people. And he also prays that we, we, even today, would be one. And that's a little bit difficult. That's a little bit difficult, and that's what we want to talk about this morning because we want to ask the question is the church modeling what Jesus asked of us? Are we one? Are we one? Can we agree on on a lot of things? Can you agree with yourself? Do you ever struggle with yourself to figure out what is right, what is wrong? So how do you expect to have someone even right beside you or in the next pew uh, agree with you? And so we we kind of ask ourselves, what are some of the things that that churches do struggle with then if they're asking, okay, um, how do we go about things? You ever known a a church body that whenever they change the worship times that there is a small struggle? You ever notice that? That the first time you do something new, all of a sudden there's a a small fear, almost an angst? that what are we going to do here? What if people don't like it? And so there is a small struggle in, 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 in oneself. Um, I mean, we could all battle how many of you guys are 8 o'clock, how many of you guys are 10.30, how many of you guys are 9 o'clock now? <laughs> and so the, the question, you know, how do, how do we worship? Uh, because there are people who just absolutely love organ style. and There are people in, in the world... I know this is shocking. There are people in the world who prefer a guitar rather than a, an organ. And so the, the question of how do you worship? And the, the question also is if you don't use the exact liturgy, are you still worshiping? And so there is that internal struggle of what is right, what is wrong, and, and, and what will be acceptable to God? And so the, the question of, of, of how are we won? And then there's the money wars. Then there's the money wars. Can the church survive? The question is, how did the first disciples, how did they survive? They had Jesus. What else did they have? I mean, the guy takes bread and fish, and all of a sudden, 5,000 men and women and children are fed. How big is your God? And so number three, I, I, I want to ask the question, is there an emphasis in congregations that they reach new people? Because one of the biggest uh, places uh, for ministry nowadays is, is where? It's <laughs> the United States. we got missionaries from around the world coming to the United States because the amount of, of people that are unchurched. And so we kind of ask ourselves, what in the world is going on? And so I, I want to take a look at, at this. John chapter 17, verse 24. Interesting what, what is said here. Uh, and maybe getting at the heart of who God is in this verse is critical. If you would read this with me Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Highlight, underline, star, whatever you have to do. Those last words since the foundation of the world. Those are critical. So what we're talking about is before God ever ever starts creating. Even before he says, let there be light on day one. He knows what's going to happen down the road. He knows that when he creates man on a Friday... He knows what's going to happen to those first parents, Adam and Eve, and yet he creates. What does that say about a parent knowing full well when you entrust your kids to do something, knowing full well what's going to happen? When you give something, when you ask something of your your kids, do do you give it to them saying, well, if you want to do this, go ahead? God says, if you want to love me, here's here's what you do. And knowing full well they would turn away from him, he knew full well that the Savior of the world, before he even starts creating, he knows from the foundation of the world that Christ's love would need to be in the world. And do you see God holding back? What an amazing parent we have that he would not spare his only son that he would come to earth to share with us the one thing that we are missing. As a parent, to love us that much is gut wrenching. To know full well that you would have to be stripped, nailed, and pierced through because that was the only way for your children to be with you in heaven. That's amazing words for us. So the question this morning I have for you guys is, what is Christ doing here? What is Christ doing here? Because that is a huge question, and yet now let me ask you this. In our congregation, what is Christ doing here? Because he prayed, he prayed for his followers. So he prays for the disciples. But he also prays for me, for you. He prays for the people who would understand who he is and believe in him through the words the disciples would write down, that they would share, through the friendships that they would encompass. And so this morning, he prays for this congregation here this morning. That we would be more than, than simply what time are we meeting? What style of worship are we meeting with? Well, he's praying for the word of God to be evident in our lives. And so this morning, I have a, I have a short video. It's about a minute long. This is from uh, the man who is speaking. Is, is the former district president of the Minnesota South District. So he's a Minnesotan so he's not speaking of some far off land like florida or texas or california he's speaking as a minnesotan and i would hope that you would gardener what he's talking about in context of how is the church one i think that we have to say
1: since this is lcms that uh, so many of our congregations are in a survival mode. Um, wondering if they'll be here in three years or not that asking them to think about reaching out into the community is is almost uh, unthinkable for them because what they're concerned with is will the church be here long enough for me to be buried in our church cemetery that's a heck of a mission statement for a church but uh, um, but I think most of you know what I'm talking about so how to get uh, so many of our congregations that are worshiping less than 50 now to understand that they're asking the wrong question, you know, how, what can we do to help our church survive? Um, the real question to ask is how can we reach new people for Christ? And that will lead to our church surviving.
0: There is a pastor, who's been a parish pastor, who's been a a synodical vice president, who's been a district president, saying as a pastor, how do we have enough love that it doesn't necessarily just uh, be absorbed by ourselves, but at the same time be reflected in ourselves? How do we go from absorbing to reflecting? Because if God has only given us enough love to, to share within ourselves, that's one thing. But if God is so big and has given us so much love in that this community can be affected by what we do, the question is, what will this community look like after this congregation is unleashed in our community? will it be if we realize that the love of God is so big that he works through us so much That we will be as one, and that that mission statement right there, go disciple all nations, will be in in our hearts each and every day. That that would be a concern, that we would be one in that. The most important thing, it would be Christ crucified, is the most important thing in this congregation. Whatever style we worship in, whatever time we worship in, Christ will be most evident in what we do as a congregation, because we start off saying, we believe that Jesus has died for my sins. And that is so huge in my life that that affects what I do and who I am, and whose I am, so much so that Christ is known to the rest of the world, starting right here in this county. So, what does that look like? And that's difficult. That is difficult because the one thing getting in the way of the disciples was what, asking the question, "Who's the greatest disciple?" Who will sit on his right hand? Who will sit on his left hand? Who can sit next to Jesus at the Last Supper? Instead of looking like Paul and say, I deserve to sit at the very back because that is what I deserve. Knowing full well I am the biggest destructor of what God has for my life. And yet, since the foundation of the world, God would know that I needed someone to come into my life, and that was Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we can come here and say, God, you have given me everything I need. Sometimes I need to be strengthened even more. And you give, and you give, and you give, and you give, and you do not withhold your love. What kind of amazing God sends us away from here, overflowing with that. Let's pray. Lord God, have me, Father, on this morning, this morning where, you know, there's a lot of change in life, there's a lot of things going on. Lord God, there's graduations. There's tough decisions that need to be made. But, Lord God, what an amazing time you have made that you have sent your Son to die for us. And what an amazing message throughout generation after generation after generation that, Lord God, you still go with us as a congregation. Lord God, keep us in your word, what your mean, word means for us. That, Lord God, we, we don't simply absorb your love, but, Lord God, we understand that you have given us so much each and every day. That, Lord God, that's just a reflection to this community of who you are Oh, God, we pray for me as, Lord God, I, I, I still need to grasp that. Pray for each one of these people in this congregation, in these pews, each one of them. That, Lord God, that you love them, and that means something. Lord God, we pray for this community, Lord. As Lord God, we want to see our, our community changed. And the first change that needs to happen is, Lord, me. So we pray that you be with us and be patient with us, Lord, as Lord God, we we struggle with your love a lot. Help us understand, Lord, that when we're sent away from here, man, what a great and amazing thing you do. All simply done by what love means. In your son's name we pray. Amen.